Hey, welcome in, everybody. It's Dr. Tim Brown, Farmcast for the Community, sponsored as always by the University of Georgia's College of Pharmacy. You know, last month we talked a lot about pricing and getting access to medications with regard to your copays and insurance. And Dr. Chancy did a great job. But I also told you this month we're going to move from that pricing and we're going to talk about access to vaccines. And Dr. Ashley Hannings is coming on board with us today. She's the Associate Director of Introductory Pharmacy Practice Experiences, which is what pharmacy students do while they're in school to get used to being a pharmacist until they graduate. So she oversees placing our students in the community and with our community preceptors. She also plays a huge role with vaccinations and dealing with how they come about in our state. Matter of fact, she's a big leader in our state when it comes to this. Ashley, thanks so much for coming on board and talking to us about vaccines. And I'm going to focus us because there's a lot of vaccines. I want to focus us on flu, COVID, and a new vaccine for what we call RSV. So just so the the community hears me, we're not going to talk about all of them. So a lot of these vaccines are going to be really geared towards the fall flu season and respiratory illness season or getting your lungs, making them safe. How are you doing today? Doing well. Thank you so much for having me. I love having you on. You're such a wealth of knowledge and you, you bring us this great insight about what community pharmacists are doing out there for our patients and the way they can have access to care. Um, I read a statistic last week that it seems that the vaccination rates for the flu, for example, are not as robust as they were last year. So I mentioned there's three vaccines. I'm going to start with the flu vaccine and we can work our way to the others. Is that okay? That's fine with me. Do you think the flu, should people be getting their, it's October, which I can't believe, by the way. Should you already had your flu vaccine or do you still have time to get it before flu season starts? Great question. So it is not too late to get the flu vaccine. Um, what's considered the sweet spot as far as the best time to get it, to get it would be September through October. Okay. And the thought is you're getting it early enough um, to where uh, to where you're protected before you start to see a lot of cases of flu, but not so early um, that it's not going to last you through the season. So this is actually the perfect time for someone to get it if they have not already. So you just brought up two very good points because I've asked this question before. I go get the, I'm due to get my flu vaccine on Thursday. Just mm-hmm. I, to fair, you know, transparency. When I get it on Thursday, when does it start protecting me? Does it protect me immediately or do I have to wait a little bit before my body sort of reacts to it and gives me protection against the flu virus? It takes about two weeks for the vaccine to be fully effective. Um, So that is something to bear in mind is that it's not an immediate effect. And that's the case with pretty much every vaccine that we've got. There is a time frame uh, where your body needs to process it um, to be protected. You, You know what I'm thinking of? I'm thinking of Halloween, kids grabbing candy, going to little parties, uh, I want to be protected by the time I interact with the kids. I, I don't I don't want to lie to you. I'm kind of thinking those kids bring in a lot of different things. Um, so I should, by getting it done by mid-October, then I should have coverage by the end of October, right? That's correct. You mentioned something as well that I've always wondered about. How long does it last? Like I've asked this question from other folks and people say, eh, probably to the next year. I'm not so sure that's true. It, it How much... How many months do we get out of a flu vaccine to protect us? Yeah, so it's about six months or so. Um, And usually at that time, it's not like you go completely um, from 100 to zero. So with most vaccines, there's usually kind of a gradual waning of protection that happens. Um, So that's about how long it lasts. Um, Say that we have 
um, some late flu cases in April, which has happened before. Yeah. Um, your flu shot will probably start to wear off, but you'll still have some level of protection that might not make uh, getting the illness as bad as it otherwise would have been. But that's approximately how long um, we see that immunity before it does start to wane. Got it. I was talking to my neighbors um, who, one's a nurse practitioner, the other's a physician, and we were talking about getting our flu shots. And the one thing we giggle about is whenever I talk to folks about getting the flu shot, they're like, I'm not getting that shot. It gave me the flu the last time. Can we talk a little bit about the fact that the flu shot doesn't give you the flu? I mean, what's it made out of to make our bodies react the way in that two week period of time you're talking about? Yeah, so the flu shots, most of the flu shots that we have available um, are what's called inactivated vaccine, meaning that it's um, not a live virus. It's considered to be killed. So it can't actually cause the illness. Um, right. Where the confusion is, is, you know, and, and I've heard this all the time too, oh, I got the flu shot. And then a few days later, I was sick. So one of two things might be happening there. Um, you know, one, if someone has some mild symptoms, so say some, you know, some headache, low fever, those types of things, sometimes that's actually a sign of our immune system gearing up to fight something. And so sometimes you can see those symptoms with just about any vaccine, uh, depending on how your body responds to it. Um, I know a lot of people saw those symptoms with the, the COVID-19 vaccines, but yeah. sometimes that's just a sign that your immune system is working. Um, on the other hand, if you had more significant symptoms, and I've had, you know, at least a few patients who have experienced this where they said, oh no, I, that was not mild. I was definitely sick. I was all achy all over. And so it did sound like they may have actually gotten the flu. Well, like we just said, it takes a couple of weeks to be fully protected. And so I know one of the patients who I spoke with before the flu was going around work right around the time she got her shot. And she just didn't have, her body just didn't have time to launch that um, immune response and get her good protection before she got exposed. So usually if someone complains of that, those are the two most likely explanations. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's interesting because as I mentioned, I'm getting the flu shot this week. I always tend to do it close to the weekend because it makes me tired. Uh -huh. It actually, it makes me just feel a little sleepy and I need a, about a day to recover. Um, and everybody responds differently. But with that said, the access to getting the flu shot has expanded greatly with community pharmacists now in the state of Georgia being able to give vaccines. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit how that works. Do you, I, I saw the signs of their day. And I, I admit I'm getting mine done here with pharmacy students at a pharmacy fair. So it's been a long time since I've had one done in a community setting like a CVS or Walgreens or an independent pharmacy. Do you just walk in and say, I want a flu shot? How do most stores set that up? Yeah, so so good question. And most places you can just walk in. Um, sometimes for certain vaccines, they may have you make an appointment, but usually for something like the flu shot, most places just let you walk right up. Um, and typically, it takes about the same time um, as getting a prescription filled when all is said and done. Um, they'll ask you to fill out um, some paperwork about your health history just to make sure that there aren't any potential problems. Um, but typically, those settings are really efficient at getting people vaccines that they need. So walk-in vaccine, do they do they need my insurance card as well? Do they Yes, good good question. So go ahead and bring your insurance card uh with you. If you fill there, they may already have it on file, but if not, sure. it's it's never a bad idea to have it on you because they will bill your insurance. Okay. There are a lot of different flu vaccines. Matter of fact, mm -hmm. I get really confused all the time. How do I know which one my community pharmacist has? Does it even matter? which one they have. 
In many cases, it doesn't matter because you know, many of them are, are, are so similar to each other. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, if you're curious about a specific brand, of course, you can, you can ask them and, and they'll tell you. Um, but many of them are created equal. There's really only a couple differences. Um, one of those differences is, is it something that's considered a standard dose uh, or regular dose flu vaccine, or is it one that might be designed for certain populations like those who are 65 and older? Most of the pharmacies I know have at least one option in each of those categories, so usually that's not a problem. Um, so there's the regular dose vaccine that most people are going to get. Um, and then for 65 and older, starting last year, um, the CDC started to give a preference for those who are that in that age range to get one of these other vaccines over the regular vaccine, um, because it just showed over time that it would do things like reduce risk of hospitalization uh, related to the flu. So there is like a higher dose or an adjuvanted vaccine um, that's available for that age group. Most pharmacies have one of those available, though. I asked that question because I see a lot of people now using biologics, you know, for psoriasis, for MS, for rheumatoid, and they may not be 65. Can they ask their pharmacist which vaccine fits them? And would they use the higher dose or the regular dose? Does the CDC have a comment about that? Yeah, that's a great question. And as of now, the, those patients would get the um, the standard dose vaccine. However, that doesn't mean that that may, may not change in the future as well. I think that's an area of exploration currently. So as of Got now, it. there's not a flat out recommendation for it, but I wouldn't be surprised if if uh, that changes in the future. Yeah, I, you know, I, it's interesting because sometimes we don't think about telling our pharmacist our past medical history, things that we are dealing with, like hypertension or diabetes or things. And they may guess that from the drugs they see on the profile, uh -huh. but that does play a role when giving vaccines. So it's important to share those kinds of information that you talked about paperwork in the very beginning. Uh, I just want people to realize that giving that information to the pharmacist is the same thing as giving it to a physician. It's confidential. It's kept there, but it really helps them make that decision about which vaccine works better. Mm -hmm. And then also I, it used to be like if I had an egg allergy, I shouldn't get the flu vaccine in the store. I shouldn't even get a flu vaccine at all. That's changed dramatically in the last five years. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Egg allergy turns out isn't as big of a deal as we as we thought it might be. Um, the virus has grown in eggs, but there's such a small amount when you get to the end of the process um, that you know over time the CDC has looked at. Well, we haven't really had an issue with that, so they've just kind of softened their language over time to where it's really not a big deal like we thought it might be. Got it. I, I have one last question with regard to you know sort of flu vaccine and getting it. I saw an article where obviously I'm not a big fan of needles. Most people aren't, but I tend to opt when to get vaccines. I want the needle because I know it's going in. It's getting where it needs to in the muscle. But I saw someone using needleless flu vaccines, no needles at all. Do you know what I, you know what I'm talking about? So, well, there's a couple there's a couple of things. So one, there is something called the flu mist, which that one is a nasal spray. And we've had that for, for a little while now. Right. Um, one thing that to note with that particular one, yeah. um, 
is um, it is a live vaccine. So it's different than your standard flu vaccine. So that particular one, it does have some restrictions on it and what populations you can use it in. So that particular product, um, you really only use it for certain people within a certain age range who are otherwise healthy. When you start getting into certain ages and having a lot of other health conditions, it's usually recommended to stick with the uh, regular flu shot. Got it. And also like that one, if you have asthma or COPD or things, yes. you don't use that one either, right? Correct. Yeah. So it actually has even more restrictions on it than most other live vaccines because it's not just being immunocompromised, but a lot of those other chronic conditions that are really common um, in people. Um, those are typically things uh, that would cause you to avoid that particular vaccine option. Got it. Got it. When we're coming into the pharmacy and we're getting this done, they're going to bill those kinds of things. The other thing that has been, gosh, a topic of discussion now for four years has been COVID and then, of course, the evolution of the vaccine that sort of started with boosters and I get one shot and I needed four shots and those kinds of things. There's a new COVID vaccine that's coming on the market this fall, right? It's not the old vaccine. This is like the flu. It's been reformulated every year. So this is the new version. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. That's correct. So this new version has been formulated with an updated variant um, more close that more closely matches what's been circulating recently. And in fact, those old COVID vaccines, um, this actually replaces those. Okay. So if I got my four vaccines, I'm not covered against the new stuff. I need a new COVID vaccine? That's correct. Okay. I'm not happy about that. I won't lie. <laughs> Let's just add another vaccine. But I, I understand. I get it. This one is going to be against what's now circulating that could get me sick. Do I need, is it important? Is the timeline the same as the flu? Is there a sweet spot, as you call it, for COVID? Or can I just I know, get it in February? That is a great question. And I think that's something that we're still trying to narrow down. Um, it's, you know, it was released this fall because it seems like uh, we see a couple peaks of COVID cases during the year. One of them does tend to be in the winter time. And so I think that's part of the rationale for the timing is that maybe if we give it in the fall, we can kind of slow that, that winter peak of cases. That being said, there may be some other factors that get taken into consideration. Um, for example, I know some people who actually got we saw like another um, rise in COVID cases not that long ago. And so I know a lot of people who actually just recently got sick. Um, yeah, so if too. you're if you are in that boat, um, you may actually have some natural immunity for a little while, in which case it may not be a bad idea for you to wait a couple months before you get the, um, the updated vaccine and kind of let your natural immunity do its thing. And then maybe you'll kind of prolong your protection if you get the vaccine a little later. Um, but I think that's going to be a long term discussion that comes up, because as we know, you know, flu, there's usually kind of a time frame that you expect to see it. Same thing with RSV. COVID, it seems like we have more than one peak throughout the year. And so, you know, this year we're, we're giving those vaccines in the fall to catch that winter peak. But, you know, over time, we might have discussions of, is that the best timing? Should we look at switching it to something else? So I think there's a little bit more uncertainty um, around optimal timing with this one. Okay. So... That makes sense to me because I feel like COVID is a year-long infection and flu is kind of like, you know, a certain period of time. And we'll talk about RSV in a minute, I promise. But I feel like with COVID, I have a little bit of time to get my vaccine. That I should get my flu vaccine first. But 
I, I guess, can you get them both at the same time if you opt to walk in the pharmacy? Go, listen, I'm here. I'm done. It's Friday afternoon. Uh, you know, the weekend's here. Can I just get both shots at the same time? And does that even matter? Yeah, so it would be completely fine to get both of those vaccines at the same time if you wanted to take care of it all in one trip. Um, usually we recommend if you're getting more than one to get them in opposite arms, um, just because if in the unlikely event you did have some kind of reaction, it, it would make it a little bit easier to tell which one caused it. Um, but for the most part, those two would be fine to get together. It, if I talked to my community pharmacist and I said, listen, I tested positive for COVID last month. I feel fine. I'm great. Should I wait on my COVID shot? Are they going to guide me a little bit about when to get my COVID shot then where I, I can get it then or I can come back? Are they going to help me make that decision? Yeah, they'll help you make that decision because, I mean, technically you could go ahead and get it. Um, but especially if you're if you're otherwise healthy, it may be beneficial to wait a couple months. Um, so I but. You know, if you're in that boat, any healthcare provider, including pharmacists, could help guide you through that conversation and help you make that decision as far as is it better to go ahead and get it, or maybe should you wait a little bit longer to get it? Yeah, I asked that because, as you know, pharmacists are everywhere. I mean, in uh -huh. the community, it's easily you can see a pharmacist easily to get in the mm -hmm. door. Um, so that's why I'm asking because a lot of times I have these questions about what do I do? Do I delay it? Do I get it? The flu shot seems pretty straightforward because I've gotten it before. I know what I'm doing, mm -hmm. but this is my first time really thinking about the new COVID and what do I do mm -hmm. for that? Um, does it take two weeks to kick in as well? Is it like the flu shot? So I'm, Yeah. So, yeah. so it's not going to be immediately effective either. It's, it's right. going to be a couple weeks before you're fully protected. Got it. I'm thinking back again to Halloween. Then I think of Thanksgiving. I think if I was going to do this, I would try to get the COVID shot at the very beginning of November. That way I'm covered by the time I go home with my family. And that I hit two big holidays, if you will. Uh, uh -huh. Halloween. Yeah. I'm just sort of thinking if, if people are thinking out there when they should do it timeline. We've mentioned RSV several times. And I admit mm -hmm. to you, when I was in family medicine and practicing, I associated this virus, this RSV, this respiratory virus, with little ones, like babies, mm -hmm. uh, because it was a big deal in our pediatric hospital. And and when they were sick, they were sick. Mm -hmm. it, just, it broke your heart to see them struggling to breathe. But we've determined that this virus has a pretty big impact on those that are in their 60s and above, correct? That's right. Yes. And and you, many people, when they think of RSV, they think of a respiratory virus that affects very young children. And that is definitely true. And it's very common in that particular population. Yeah. Um but you also start to see it again in those who are older adults, especially those who are in their 60s or older, because um, just like with very young children, it's actually a fairly common cause of sending older adults um, to the hospital based on this infection. Um, oh. Usually people who are kind of in the middle, um, a lot of people who get the virus um, who are maybe a healthy adult, they may have maybe flu-like symptoms and may not necessarily even know that it is RSV, but for those two populations, it can be a lot more severe. So we now have gone from getting the flu vaccine to uh -huh. that COVID, and there are two new vaccines that just came on the market because we never had a way to really fight against RSV before you just, you got it. And if you, right. were really, you went to the hospital and you crossed fingers that everything worked out, now we have two new vaccines that just came on the market, are they also recommended to be given around this time? Or when, when's, I guess, when's RSV season? That sounds so weird <laughs> to say, but when's RSV season? 
Yeah, so RSV season actually seems to be kind of similar to flu um, as far as traditionally we've seen kind of like a winter peak of cases. Yeah. Um, last year, it did peak a little bit earlier than normal. I believe the peak was closer to November. Um, you know, I think we're trying to figure out like, okay, did, was that just a fluke due to you know, things like the COVID virus, virus circulating, did that throw things off? But sure. it does appear to be about a winter peak. And so as far as timing, I would also get that one in the fall because we know that those cases are going to be going up soon. And you want to make sure that you're protected before we really start to see too much of it circulate. So Dr. Hannings, you're telling me <laughs> that I've got to get three shots now. And I understand the importance, but I'm also like, golly, this is a lot. So if if I had to figure out what to do, if I had to prioritize, which shot, which vaccine should I start with? That's a gr that's a great question. And, and I mean, really, you could make an argument for starting with any of those, I think, based okay. on based on your particular situation. Um, like we said, you you could get more than one of those on the same day. Um, I would probably say, I mean, you could do all three, but I don't know that I would do the triple whammy personally. I'd probably right. do two of them at the same time and then maybe come back another day for the third one. Um, just because that, that's a lot to put, um, it, just because you might be increasing your risk of side effects from those vaccines yeah. if you're having that many all at once. So maybe do like two on one day, but then maybe one on another day, just to space it out a little bit. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I would say um, the main thing is you want to get your protection going before the cases really start to rise. So, you know, for those listening, you may say, well, am I high risk? Am I low risk? What's my risk? I want to remind everybody that if you have heart disease, diabetes, COPD, asthma, if your immune system doesn't work the best, you're those folks that we really try to get in the door quicker. Mm -hmm. And then we may offer you the vaccines multiple. Like I may say, you know, let's get two out of the way today. So we start your protection going versus, you know, a 28 year old, when no other things going around, I may say, let's get the flu today and then work on your other vaccines down the line. So your pharmacist, really, you need to talk to them about where you are and your medical conditions, because that may guide them about how to do your sequence of vaccines. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because this became very complicated this year. It used to be I popped in. I got a flu vaccine. I was set for the winter. Done. Now I have to think about these other things my health things. And as Dr. Hannity is talking about, our community pharmacists are such a point of access to get these easily in terms of, you know, availability. But man, there's a little bit of thought behind this you need to, to have with your pharmacist. So you're not just walking in blind. You need to have an idea of how you want to do this. Is, is that yeah. a fair assessment? I think so. Yes. And, and also, you know, I, I think that's a great point about how your individual health, your age, and those those factors, they're all going to contribute to your risk level as far as your risk for getting severe disease or, or disease that might land you in the hospital. Um, you know, with, with RSV in particular, since we haven't, uh, since we don't have as much familiarity with that one, it usually tends to be the really young, those who are much older, 
um, as well as those who have some of those chronic conditions. So those who are immunocompromised, those who have chronic lung disease, chronic heart disease, all of those things added together are going to increase your risk for having severe disease. And those are all things to be taken into consideration. Um, I will specify, because I can't remember if I, I specifically said it, um, the RSV vaccine, even though we talked about it affecting the very young and the very old, um, it's only currently approved in certain populations. Okay. Um, so the, the, the two that we're talking about that you can get at a community pharmacy, um, it's 60 and older um, who it's approved in. Um, and just recently, one of those vaccines became approved for use in pregnant women. Okay. Um, the idea with that one is uh, kind of similar to the Tdap vaccine that provides uh, protection against something called pertussis. So the idea is the pregnant woman may not be at that high risk herself, but the infant that she is carrying um, is going to be at very high risk for severe RSV disease when they're born if they get exposed. So the idea is that you get that vaccine later in your pregnancy, those antibodies cross over the placenta and give that baby some protection when they're most vulnerable. Yeah, that's a really good point that now because our obviously RSV affects little ones. So that sort of gets ahead of the curve before the little one's even born. Um, the other thing that, you know, you're talking about with ages, RSV is 60 and up, but with flu and COVID, it's pretty much universal, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, from exactly. as early as six months. Is that true? Yes. For both of those six months and older, you're recommended to get the latest vaccine. Yeah, I mean, I know we're talking about, I'm really trying to focus on adults, but if, you know, you're going in and you're taking your kids with you, kids can get their flu vaccine um, at various places too. Can community pharmacists give vaccines to anyone less than 18 years of age? Yes, and actually... Um... This changed a little bit during during COVID-19. Um, so for certain vaccines, our state law uh, in, in Georgia um, allows us to give certain vaccines like flu or the wording is any um, any illness resulting in a public health emergency um, to those who are 13 and older. Um, the PrEP Act, uh, which I, I did, has been kind of um, all, all over the place the last couple of years, that actually took that down to three years of age. And so that will eventually like phase out. Um, but even the, the state law that we have does have some allowances for 13 and up for certain vaccines. So right now, I think what parents can hear and grandparents can hear is if you have a teenager, they can go with you and get their flu shot. If they're less than 13, check and see, but they may have to go to their pediatrician or primary care provider to get their shots. And the reason I say this, because I don't want somebody to take their entire family over and go, well, we can choose you, but we can't choose you. That way you kind of have a plan in place. Um, but for the grandparents, I don't know, let's make it a day with your grandkids. Go get their <laughs> flu shot, then go, go to McDonald's and enjoy yourself. Um, so, that sounds um, like something that would happen in my family. See, that's exactly what would happen in my family. We would make a we would make a, a fun time out of it is what my mother would do. Um, Dr. Hannings, I think the other thing that has come across, and you mentioned this with flu, and I want to bring it up. Let's say I, I get the flu and then I have COVID vaccine. My insurance will pay for that as well. It's my understanding, though, that the government's payment for COVID is going away and private insurances are starting to pay for that. What if my insurance doesn't cover it or I don't have insurance to cover vaccines? Can I still, how do I afford that with COVID and even the flu? How does that work for those folks that sort of fall in the middle? Yeah, that, that's a great question. And I know, especially with the COVID vaccine, that's been a big concern because for a while it was just taken care of um, right. and we didn't have to think about it. Um, there is um, what's called a bridge 
per, excuse me, a bridge program available through the CDC um, to provide coverage for COVID vaccines. Okay. Um, so if you go to a pharmacy or some kind of healthcare setting, there should still be a pathway for, for someone who's uninsured to be able to get those vaccines free of cost. Okay. And if I had to cash pay for a flu vaccine, what's the average cost to pay out of pocket for a flu vaccine these days? Yeah, usually around like $30 or so. Um, yeah, because with that particular vaccine, it's been out for longer, we, we have more experience with it. Um, it tends to be a little bit um, more, uh, I mean, I guess a little bit less costly than maybe some of the others. Yeah, I, I'm asking these questions because I think also you can talk sometimes, and this is going to sound crazy, I see signs where they're offering flu shots for a lower cost that day. Like mm -hmm. they have, you know, a, a certain day where it's $5 or $10 or 15 but that's a good question to ask when you're in your local pharmacy to say, if I had to pay for my flu shot, what would it be? Um, I know a lot of us do have insurance. I know a lot of us have insurance that's kind of hit or miss. So I always want to make sure that we, we try to give you access to caring, tell you what's out there. For the RSV vaccine, guys, I think at this point, 60 and up, you know, you're going to fall into that category of possibly having Medicare and uh, those programs. If you still have private insurance, you might want to check on that, see, see if it's covered or not. Uh, and your pharmacist can certainly do that for you and make that work. Dr. Hannings, you have uh, enlightened me and also made me a little annoyed because now I have to get three shots. But at the same point in time, I'm actually a little amazed at how quickly we're coming to realize the different factors that can give me pneumonia or take me down and put me in the hospital. And then now I have ways to prevent that from happening if I just go get this done. Mm -hmm. If you had to leave three pearls for the community, what would you say about these vaccines and what you and I have talked about today? That's a great question. So I think one thing is making sure that you get them in a timely manner to make sure that you're protected before you get exposed. So I think timing is important. Okay. Um, especially with some of these that do have a seasonality to them. Sure. Um, so I'd, I'd say that's one thing. Um, and I would say another thing is if, if at any point you're confused about timing or whether or not you'd benefit from a certain vaccine, um, do talk to your pharmacist doctor or other healthcare provider, um, because that's really what they're there for is to help you uh, is to help kind of differentiate that guidance and really help you figure out what your own risk is. Okay. And then one more. One more. Let's see. Um, I guess my last one will be, uh, I know that there's a lot of vaccine fatigue that's going around right now, especially since we talked about how for some people they may be getting three different vaccines this fall. But keep in mind, it's much better than getting the diseases themselves as far as what your experience is going to be. Um, it's much it's much better to have the, the inconvenience of getting a vaccine, maybe having a sore arm, than getting significantly ill and potentially ending up in the hospital. Good point. An ounce of prevention, as they say. Mm -hmm. uh, very good. Thank you so much, Dr. Hannings, for coming on board. I really appreciate it. Uh, you've enlightened me, but also I think we've given some good tips for the community out there of how they can get their vaccines for the upcoming fall. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Sure. And for those tuning in, I'm Dr. Brown. This is Farmcast for the community. I will tell you guys that we're going to put this on. It's going to be out there for a while. I'm going to back away from the podcast for November and December for the holidays. So I want you to be safe, get your vaccines and make it through the holidays and enjoy yourself and your families. Until January, go in good health and thanks so much for listening. Mm -hmm.